have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. Welcome back, my divine listeners. Tonight, I brought on Mr. Andrew Shearer and Mr. Seth Powlin. Only because I have seen both of their bare asses and they have two halves of one map that lead me to tonight's film, which is Lust in the Dust. The Old West has given us many legends of heroism, many tales of courage and valor. Now, thundering across the screen comes the mightiest, most inspiring saga of all. Return with us to an era when men were men. A time when the law of the land was the lay of the land. Anyone like to try again? Lust in the dust. The heroes and outlaws, the sweethearts and sluts. Nice pair of jingle bombs. Thanks. They came to Chili Verde in search of treasure. Tab Hunter is the stranger. I am the best French kisser in Chili Verde. If I come across a Frenchman, I'll be sure and let him know. No one knew the fury of his vengeance. Over here! No one cared. Lainey Kazan is Margarita. Freeze, hombre, or I'll be wearing your asshole for a god. She liked her men like she liked her liquor. Hard and rotten. Henry Silver is Bernardo. Cesar Romero is Father Garcia. Some people have gone crazy, but not me. Oh, no, 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 no. Jeffrey Lewis is Hard Case Williams. Not gonna hurt you! Courtney Gaines is Red Dick. Most folks around here call me Red Dick. His name says it all. Ah! And Divine is Rosie Valles. Come and get it. These legs were made for wrapping around you so tight. Only every night. He rode the West. You're going to have your filthy way with me under the hot desert sun, aren't you? She rode the rest. <laughs> Why don't they ever invite me to their parties? Together, they ravaged the land. God, you're disgusting. Lust in the dust. With all the violence and spectacle, this is a very moral tale. Lust in the dust. A new comedy from director Paul Bartel. Yes, listeners, we did complete the John Waters journey last month, but I warned you and we had talked about on multiple episodes that we were going to come back to the one divine film that wasn't made by John Waters, which is Paul Bartel's amazingly funny Western parody, Lust in the Dust, starring Tab Hunter and Divine. Seth, is this the first time you ever saw Lost in the Dust? Uh, yeah, I didn't even know about this movie until a couple of years ago. And uh, I don't know, you invited me on the show, so I picked up the DVD for cheap and uh, good stuff. Yeah, and I already see you're trying to sell it off on on eBay's already. I am not. Sell off every goddamn movie you buy. No, that's bullshit. Oh, hey, bullshit. I saw you went and you, were, you tried sneaking under the fucking cover. 
I saw you. I'm on all the same goddamn VHS DVD collectors groups. You try sneaking under the cover like you weren't going to sit and come on my Traces of Death episode when you got all the motherfucking movies. I bought those movies about three hours before that. Post. Oh, that bullshit. I don't believe that, Seth Pollen. I'll show you the goddamn receipt. <laughs> it's the only way you're getting out of this you better show me your goddamn id and your receipt take a picture of it i want a blood sample i want a retina scan i want all that bullshit i do not own those for enjoyment <laughs> i have a prescription for these <laughs> i have a traces of death card i'm okay well I, well, all I got to say to this is now you realize the cat's out of the bag. Now you're coming on to my ghoul summer episode. Well, I mean, I haven't watched them. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you at least watch this one? I did watch this one. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. <laughs> so it looks like this was first time views for both Seth and I, but Andrew has seen this one before. So did you like this when you first saw it way back in the day, Andrew? Man, I thought it was funny as hell, man. I um I got it when I worked at Blockbuster and um I thought it was like um like like Blazing Saddle. Like you could put this on a triple feature with three amigos and Blazing Saddles. That's why how funny I thought it was. Yeah. Are you a western fan in general? Nah, I don't give a fuck about westerns, not really. I figured as much because Westerns are, are, are kind of a weird breed and they don't really exist much in our world anymore because let's be honest, women in, in Westerns aren't treated the best. Nah. They're usually relegated to roles in which they're hookers or dancers or mothers that are left to basically die <laughs> of starvation <laughs> So uh, in our climate nowadays, these films are very antiquated, and I'm surprised they even make these kind of films anymore. Seth, what do you think about the Western in 2017? Does it really have a place anymore? Uh, very rarely. Occasionally one pops up that's a, a good film, but I mean, I think it's been it's been done. It's a it's a dead genre. Are you? I know you're a fan of spaghetti westerns, though, right? Yeah, I'm a fan of the of the grittier, you know, spaghetti um, kind of revisionist stuff. But I mean, classic westerns don't do a thing for me. John no. Wayne doesn't do a thing for me. No, all that stuff just never worked for me. So never worked for me either. And I think the big thing is a lot of it is I I know my bud Corey Udler is gonna gonna want to kick me in the nuts. So is my dear departed grandfather. I have never liked John Wayne. Never. Never, ever, ever, never. Movies are boring as shit. I, I just don't like his whole well, okay, let's let's be honest. He's a Republican, so that's neither to here nor there. <laughs> but I just never got into Westerns, uh like American Westerns. For some reason, it was always that um spaghetti westerns, the Italians, because they took the Western in hyper stylized the gore, pushed up the titties and just went pure exploitation on them. So that appealed to me. Most of the Westerns coming out of Italy were just batshit insane. I love stuff like Django, the big silence, the big gun down, Sartana, Sabata. You know, I love all that shit. And Lust in the Dust reminded me far more 
of a spaghetti Western than any of the traditional U.S. Western. Seth, would you say that? Absolutely. It had that same kind of feel like it looked like it was shot in Spain, even though it was shot, obviously, in New Mexico. But it still had that look like it was one of those spaghetti Westerns shot in Spain. So I immediately, the moment this opened up and started, I was like, yep, this is my jam. (laughs) I like this kind of shit. Now, the Lust and the Dust, for those of you that aren't familiar with this movie, obviously directed by Paul Bartel, the guy who brought us such amazing gems, such as Death Race 2000 and Eating Raul. This story is about one lady named Rose, played by Divine, who is walking across the Western wasteland with only her trusty steed, her donkey. And she's trying to make her way to Chile Verde, which is this little podunk, tiny little town where supposedly there are rumblings of a buried treasure there. And on her way, every last man that comes across her tries to rape her and take advantage of her. But little do they know she actually rapes and takes advantage of them because she has such a powerful pussy that she kills everybody. <laughs> it's so good, dude. <laughs> Anybody that wants to go down on Divine, forget it. You're done. <laughs> but she runs across Tab Hunter, who plays the Clint Eastwood man with no name, the guy who doesn't talk, who's this very stoic, kind of like mysterious gunman who can, you know, shoot anybody out of the water. And uh, the two of them together go to this town and then hijinks ensue. And that's basically lust in the dust. It's your typical Western thing where people are looking for gold and the whole town is in on it and working against each other. Now, Andrew, we have to talk about divine. This obviously divine is almost the centerpiece of this film. And how do you think she plays this Rose character in this movie. Well, you know, man, the, the, the thing that makes Lust in the Dust worth including uh, in a discussion about John Waters is the fact that, you know, we're seeing Divine being directed by another person. Yep. And, you know, with um, with the Dreamland players and with John Waters movies, everything is so John Waters and so specific. And a lot of times Divine would just play Divine no matter what role um, that he had him in. And so it's cool to see it to me, astonishing, really, especially in this context to see how divine will perform with someone else's material. And the only reason John Waters didn't make this movie is because he didn't write it. They offered it to him, right. you know, and, um, divine, I think is incredible. I mean, to see this high production or high, relatively high, higher production value and have, cause you know, by the time that John Waters was making like the bigger films, divine was not the lead. Divine is the lead in Lust in the Dust. I think Divine is awesome in this movie. Mm -hmm. I agree. And the way that she's presented in this movie as well, all of her outfits, her whole wardrobe are these very garish, very like elaborate, colorful, vibrant outfits. When compared to everybody else in this film, she sticks out and glows almost in this thing. It's awesome. Seth, what do you think about Divine in this? Oh, she's fantastic. Um, you know, it's a, it's still a Divine performance, but it's, it's almost nuanced uh, in a way that I don't think John Waters could have ever gotten out of her. 
And uh, Paul Bartel definitely knew the star power that Divine has and centered everything around her. It's it's definitely a vehicle to let Divine shine. I think she carries it. Oh, she definitely carries it. And then she gets to actually branch out from what she was doing in the John Waters films, especially to the point where she actually has a musical number. Her big gimmick is, is that she claims that she's a singer and there's this huge buildup. Once they finally get to Chili Verde, her and Tab Hunter, she they go to this saloon in which Tab Hunter is all of a sudden. And bear with me, boys. I might get a little excited here. He gets in a fight with Henry motherfucking Silva. Yeah, that's right. You hear me? Henry Silva's in this son of a bitch, this motherfucker. Immediately five-star review on this movie. Henry Silva walks into this joint playing completely a Henry Silva character. It's it's goddamn like the moment Henry Silva came up on the screen when the credits were rolling, the beginning of this thing, I was with Amanda. Amanda's working tonight, so unfortunately she couldn't join us tonight. But the moment I saw Henry Silva pass out, I was kicking my legs, kicking my arms. I was going nuts. I'm like, fuck! This movie's about to get real, son. And it did. Henry Silva comes in and decides, you know, he's going to wave his dick around and try and you know, get in a gunfight with Tab Hunter. And then Divine takes on the madam of the whorehouse in this place, played by, by Lainey Kazan. The character's name is Margarita Ventura. And they start kind of a little squabble battle. Little do we know they end up... Spoiler alert. This is a warning. Thank you. Becoming sisters... <laughs> or they are sisters. Yeah, yeah. How they didn't know this, who knows? Uh, who knows? But anyways, then all of a sudden, Divine begs to basically sing for them so she could be like the barroom singer. And you expect her to actually belt out this wonderful tune? No, it's typical Divine. I'm yelling singing. What'd you say your name was, sugar? Red Dick. Hit it, Dick. These lips were made for kiss, and these hips were made for bliss, and these arms were made for squeezing you tight every day, only every night. These lips were made for selecting, these hips were made for connecting, these legs were made for wrapping around you so tight, only every night when you see. Me dancing on the floor, you'll agree. I'm class to the core when you see me dancing with the boys, you'll agree. You've never seen such poor. These lips were made for tasting, my time wasn't made for wasting. So I'm gonna show you how it's done just for fun. Anyone wanna come? These lips. We're made for kissing, take a sip And you'll know what you've been missing, you'll flip When this tamale wants to make you stay every day Only every night, what you say Every day, only every night We can play every day, only every night Well, all right <laughs> Now when this fucking shit
shit showed up. I was I could I could barely breathe. I was laughing the entire time. Andrew, do you like the fact that this we have up until this point a pretty traditional kind of like blazing saddle style send up of a western, and then all of a sudden divine just atonally starts screaming the song out in the yeah. middle of a Western. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, as a John Waters fan, you know, it's like put having divine in the, in his movies is still like there. She's in, she's in a John Waters movie. And it's often in, especially in the old ones, y'all know it's always surrounded by a lot of other wild people doing wild shit, but throwing divine into like a classic and really well done Western scenario and having him just like do his what would amount to the way his stage shows are going and seeing all the reactions on all of these, you know, people's faces at the end of it is one motherfucker's clapping and she goes, well, you sing like you look. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the best line in this movie. <laughs> and what's saying something because this movie is full of good ass lines. I mean, the script is great. And it's a damn shame, you know, it's I, I can't I shouldn't say it's a damn shame that John Waters didn't do this because Paul Bartell knocked it out of the park. He did an amazing job in this. But the the whole like you said, the whole reason he didn't decide to do this movie is because he didn't write it. And then Paul Bartell, because he brought on uh, Divine and then subsequently end up almost had Edith Massey in this movie as Big Ed. But she died shortly after screen tests. So uh, Nedra Volts came in, who's a, I've seen her in tons of different TV shows and movies, and she did a great job. But we almost had a complete duo here of John Waters, like big time character women yeah. in this film. It would have been amazing if she would have been in this film, but unfortunately didn't happen. And Paul Bartell went on to say that he felt kind of uncomfortable almost like he was attempting to make a John Waters film without John Waters. Seth, did you ever get the feeling that this had a John Waters feel to it a little bit? Oh, definitely. And I think it goes beyond just divine. I think a lot of the the writing in it feels like John could have written it. He, you know, he didn't direct it because he didn't write it, but I think it's got a lot of the same stylings that he has. And uh, Big Ed, when Andrew said that, you know, told us that uh, Edith Massey had screen tested and auditioned for it. That's all I could picture was Edith Massey playing this role without, you know, a quarter of the nuance and talent that Nedra Vols brought to it. But just, <laughs> I think, you know, a million times the charisma. And I think that's the one shame knowing that Edith Massey was almost in it and that she wasn't. That character would have just been I think legendary. Like, it would have been because she it's right now, as it is in this movie, uh, Nedra is so adorable in this movie. She's really great as Big Ed, but can you fucking imagine Edith Matthew Massey is just, just going nuts as Big Ed? Oh, it would have been amazing. Oh my god. In in the cast doesn't stop there. We've already said Tab Hunter, Divine. Lainey Kazan, Henry motherfucking Silva, Neldra Vols, Cesar Romero as Father Garcia in this son of a bitch. He doesn't have a big role, but he's in here. We have 
Courtney Gaines. <laughs> Red and, and you horror Red fans Dick. will know who Courtney motherfucking Gaines is from the Children of the Corn. And then uh Jeffrey Lewis he is my, in this. He was my favorite man, Jeffrey he Lewis. He's so fun in this movie. As this movie, the first act goes, you're just constantly slapped with another great actor. I thought all of these guys, whenever they popped on the screen, it just it was almost like a theater piece to me. And, it, and people were just nailing it out of the park left and right. Um, yeah, was there a lot of kind of, uh, by our standards today, a little r- racy decisions on stereotypes? Oh, dude. <laughs> it's a tad problematic. Do you want to talk about that, Andrew? Oh, man, I would love to. I mean, I, you know, when I saw this the first time, I'm coming off of growing up with seeing a lot of Cheech and Chong movies, you know. In which, <laughs> let's face it, there was a lot of play up on the Hispanic like stereotype type of stuff, you know. And so, no, this movie is not like it. Definitely does not have like any sort of PC to it at all. But you're talking about the mid '80s. I mean, we were like right about to be Eddie Murphy time, and um, we were uh, still like you know movies like Born in East LA had yet to happen the toy was going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just a whole different era. Not that that's an excuse, but what seems craziest at first is like divine and lady Kazan appear to be Brown and appear to be playing Hispanic women. Both of them use a lot of Spanglish and stuff. And uh, until you discover that, no, they aren't supposed to be playing Hispanic women. (laughs) But it's not until the end you discover that you could watch this whole movie really mad if stuff like that fucks with you, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, also with Jeffrey Lewis's gang that he brings into the town where he's the white guy, mm-hmm. then there, then there's an African-American dude. Woody Strode, Woody man. Strode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Had to have been one of the last movies Woody Strode made, right? He was in Posse, the, one of the only Westerns I like, and The Quick and the Dead, one of the other, other Westerns I like. So right. Right. Mm-hmm. Then then you have the Mexican guy played by Pedro Gonzalez. Then uh Clarence, who is how do you how do you PC say small person? Small person? Is that know, what we use now? But he's got an Asian in there too. He's also got a Chang by Ernie Sinagawa. Um, I don't even know who that is, but that's what it says here on probably one of those <laughs> Bet you it's his only movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hate to say it. It is. Oh, is it for real? I was yeah, I, I just pulled up the IMDb and it. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, Daniel Fishman was in a ton of movies. He was obviously he played Ewoks in the uh, Star Wars movies. He was in Night of the Creeps. He was in Lone Wolf and McCabe. Oh shit! I mean, there's tons of stuff that he was in, and he was a really fun character out as well. He was one of the few men that got their neck snap a. Tr- uh, uh, Attempting to perform Conolingus on Divine. Oops. Along with Courtney Gaines, who mm. didn't fare out as well. Nah, they put, <laughs> he puts that motherfucker in his own piano. <laughs> they, they find him just all jacked up inside that piano. That was one of the things I liked. It, it, this movie is labeled rated R, but it doesn't feel like a rated R movie. There's only one titty shot. And that's a it's a gag shot with uh, somebody pulling down Divine's top, and they cut into somebody's real breasts. It's pretty great, which I thought was amazing. <laughs> but beyond yeah. that, there's really no nudity. 
There's sexual situations, but they're not very lewd. There's hardly any language in this movie. No, so there's there's a lot of I mean all the like sexual jokes and racist type stuff. I mean this I would give this a PG thirteen, but like I mean Henry Silva, who is I guess part Hispanic, right? I mean he's one of these dudes that would like Anthony Quinn that could just play any type of ethnicity really. Mm-hmm. He's that accent is just a really a parody of a Latin accent because there's one part's like he's a gunfighter, don't do it. He turns into divine. Arjuchur. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nobody talks like that. Arjuchur. <laughs> but oh, it's man. funny because it's over the top like that, and even like Jeffrey Lewis too. I mean, he's got so many. Like there's lines that just aren't even lines. Like he'll, you know, somebody say something to him, he'll just go or make a noise. Yeah. I mean, you don't see that in any movie ever, but it's one part he calls Cesar Romero. He just is like, We already figured that out, you old fart. Like And <laughs> 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 I laugh every time, man. Every time. Those dudes Holy Christ. They got lights so- to be silly, you know. Well, that's that's a big thing about this movie, is that you could tell Everyone just kind of let go. It was fun, probably, for a lot of these people. Some Henry Silva was in some spaghetti westerns. So it was probably fun to finally just kind of let loose and uh, make fun of all this stuff. And just not have to take yourself so damn seriously. So that's what I like the most about this thing. Everybody has a great sense of humor on this set. I mean, you know, you, um, Andrew's talking about uh, you know, the toy and all the, the different kind of racial or ethnic comedies that were coming out around this time. I think, I mean, you know, I was either not born or extremely young at this time, but uh, it just seems like everyone had a better sense of humor for a few years where you could laugh at yourself or, and it, it just seems like this one is in that vein. Everyone's just having a, a good time kind of making fun of themselves, their past films. It's just, I mean, kind of a feel-good movie, you know? You sit there and you just relax, have a good time with it. Everybody plays it up to the nth degree. It's a blast. Right. There's there's twists. There's turns. There's maps tattooed on bare women's ass cheeks. Yeah. Giant, ass beautiful map asses. I wonder if that was their real butts, man. <laughs> no, that's they were CG. Well, because they showed they show Divine's actual ass going into going into that water in, uh, in the beginning. Well, that's um, what that's sells that titty shot is because Divine strips down except for her top, yeah. and walks into this walks into this little pond, and then somebody rips down her top, and then they cut to this was something that I, I was trying to talk the boys that made Swamp Head with me into was because one of the actresses didn't want to get topless. I'm like, let's just get somebody to be topless mm-hmm. and make it not even look remotely right. Oh, I was going to say, I've seen tons of movies where you can tell that like one person handled all the topless shot. Like, uh, oh God, what was it I seen? Uh, Cheerleader Ninjas? I think <laughs> I think Kira Reed is all the boobs in the whole movie. Because <laughs> we all know what Kira Reed's actual boobs look like, and she shows them in the movie. But then everybody else's boobs look exactly like Kira Reed's boob, and you're like, mm. <laughs> something's weird here. I mean, something's fine, but you know. <laughs> no, I thought I thought it was cool. The only part that I didn't buy in terms of like bodies is when suddenly <laughs> Divine is like taken off on a horse. And you're like, I don't think so. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Well, that's why they had her walk around with this donkey all the time. Ain't no way she's walking around and she's getting on this donkey without killing it. Yep. Another, <laughs> another ass shot. Oh boy. Oh boy. It, it's funny to me uh, because in polyester, we obviously had a love scene between tab hunter and divine that that never ended up happening in this movie. They teased it an awful lot, but it never quite ended up happening. The only real sex scene that's in this movie beyond divine snapping everyone's neck when they go down on her was uh, the Margarita tab hunter, Abel Wood scene Uh where they're in the, he's taking the bucket shower and she decides to come on in and uh, slime up on him. Yeah, but she that. Good, man. I'm. I gotta admit, man. I'm. I'll, I'm pretty into Lainey Kazan in this movie, like that. Is there something you guys would like to sit and uh, chat about with Lust in the Dust? Because it's really this is going to be probably a shorter episode. We. Ju- I just wanted to be able to cover this and for us to sit and talk about it a little bit because we did all those John Waters episodes. But uh, Seth, was there anything in particular that you noticed when you watched this thing that you wanted to sit and talk about? Nothing really in particular, just it's good to get uh, a little bit of notoriety out there for this one. I don't hear people talk about it, and that's probably why I didn't know about it for so long. It's uh, yeah. And I think it really will fit uh, in anyone's, you know, anyone that likes John Waters or uh, Mel Brooks, I think, is really going to get into this one. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. I think if you, you like those two and you – if you are even remotely a little bit of a spaghetti Western fan, you're going to dig this as well. Yeah. Cause I cool. have a feeling it, like for me, that's why it worked so well. It was kind of a combination of these three things, which are all things that I love <laughs> quite a bit. And uh, so it was nice for me to jump into this and this John waters connection with this movie, just it blew it out of the water, like divine, was awesome in this movie so it's really hard to to complain andrew was there anything that you can think of that you'd want to sit and kind of talk about with this one well you know i mean he had paul bartell had roughly uh or a pretty similar um years of of production with uh that like like what john waters did you know um i believe bartell though died in the early 2000s like right around 2000 but um you know, I just, I really, and we, we talked about this before, but I don't know if it was, if we were on or not, just about how, like, I don't get how fans of John Waters are not also Paul Bartel fans. I mean, his stuff is campy just in a, a bit more of a cinematic way and a less kind of like specific way. Right. But he also started out in underground film, um, Secret Cinema and Naughty Nurse. Those are awesome movies. His first film was a horror, Private Parts, which I think yep. is an incredible cult film like people that like De Palma or Polanski I don't see why they're not talking about that movie private parts and of course you know Death Race 2000 I guess it's because each of these movies like Eating Royal and Death Race 2000 they both have like cult followings but it's not like the same people I don't think no I don't think so either John Waters films appeal far more to us dirtball exploitation fans yeah, yeah. I, I guess I just, I don't know. I just always think of them together, not just for you know the the uh, you know the two uh, queer directors from from seventies. You know, um, John Waters was completely independent, whereas Paul Bartel was working under uh, Roger Corman a right. lot of this time. But 
I just think he could, he could do, he could work in any category of movie. I think he could handle any genre because like, you know, death races, sci-fi, private parts is horror, uh, eating role, comedy, less than dust, Western. See what I'm saying? Like to me, it's just, I don't know. It's a fascinating career really that doesn't get, doesn't get talked about enough. So even a supplementary episode to John Waters thing, I think if someone would just listen to this and check some of this stuff out, would you know kind of help that out because you, you don't want to see a, a good cult any good cult director um go unheralded but definitely someone who had a good i mean he's got a good uh filmography here i mean they're solid movies amazing movies he also did some episodes of amazing stories oh right um one of them was actually called secret cinema right and i don't remember what the other one was um the ones that i'm seeing here that are on the imdb.com right now is gershwin's trunk and secret cinema uh i think lenny kazan is in gershwin's trunk now that i think about it but yeah they definitely know paul bartell's face they've definitely seen him in a shitload of movies i mean he was in like he and uh mary warnoff play their characters from eating roll in uh chopping mall yeah, absolutely. Well, he's in tons of movies. He, I think he's m- more well-known for being an actor than he is as a director. Yeah, I true. mean, he was out there on TV in tons of movies, and he just kind of has a, a very, like, recognizable face. He's one of those dudes that always popped up as one of those character actors where you're kind of like, oh, that guy. I like that guy. But I think most people never knew who he was because, I mean, he was in. I mean, let's name off some of these movies he was in as an actor. He was in National Lampoon's European Vacation. He was in Escape from L.A., The Usual Suspects, Gremlins 2. I could go on and on and on and on. A Basquiat, that's a movie I haven't heard anybody talk about in a long, long time. Do you remember that thing, Andrew? Yeah, Yeah, I do, man. That was, I had never heard of that guy. And I was like, Oh shit, this is like a really important person. All it takes is somebody make a movie about it, you know, or make a podcast about it, you know, shed a little light on somebody. I mean, you go back into the, all that new world stuff, man, Bartella's all over it, you know? Yeah. And it's a shame. Maybe, Oh my gosh, maybe we need to do Paul Bartell is our next director. I don't know. I mean, I've done <laughs> I have, I did, on the cinema file. We did an episode that was private parts and eating Raul. And it's got some of the least amount of listens. I just don't, I don't, I, for some reason, there's people that we deem cool in cult movie circles and the people that we don't. And I don't know why Bartell is in the don't, but to me, he's got the cred. He's got the ability and the movies are extremely funny. Like I would put eating Raul to me, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Top 10, no doubt. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. So it's yeah. hilarious. And for me, obviously, Death Race 2000 is one of my all-time bar none favorite movies. That's great. Like, the fact that that's not talked about <laughs> in the same reverence as just about any other exploitation film and that his name isn't known for that movie alone blows my mind. I just, yeah. I just don't get it. Well, you know, they don't have the explicit sex violence that a lot of the Grindhouse movies do. And they're a little too well made to be, you know, uh, fans of like the, you know, the more underground stuff or the obscure stuff. So maybe they just fall in this kind of weird gray area where they don't get the juice. And, and I think, I mean, like I've been sitting here talking about Paul Bertil so much. 
I mean, he's he's just a, to me a great director. But man, Less in the Dust. If you are a John Waters fan and you haven't seen Less in the Dust, man, you got you're missing some stuff. Yeah, it's just a fun, breezy movie. I I don't know. There's not a ton to talk about with it because it is you know just a kind of a straightforward western parody. It it's only level of distinction is it's got some really great exploitation actors in it. Yeah, I mean, I for, for fans like us, really gives it a lot of pop. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you you could say, I mean, to me, I don't know what you guys think, but I really think it's one of Divine's best performances, and the fact that it wasn't a John Waters movie performance is, a, I think, a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, she does play a similar type character. I mean, there's still Divine is Divine. True, but like she gets to be a little bit polyester. I feel like was the only time where you got to see Divine's like influence of classic Hollywood, you know, because John Waters loved like Douglas Sirk movies and stuff like that. But he was that's the only time he really tried to make one. Um, But Divine, you know, Divine's like favorite was Liz Taylor, right? As a kid or whatever. Mm -hmm. So really, um, do being in a Western in a classic genre like that. Not a, like a contemporary genre like polyester, but like a classic genre. You know, him getting the chance to be like a leading lady, like a Jane Russell, like a Joan Crawford. This is the this was the shot, you know? Right. Right. And it's the way that you would never know. I think most people would never know. Obviously, we've been talking about for the last 15, 20 minutes that this was made by Paul Bartel, if they were this were to pop up on cable back in the day, this just seems like your your typical 80s kind of comedy. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely just a mid-80s comedy. It feels like a bigger, you know, Hollywood production. It doesn't really come across as an exploitation movie, even though it's got the ties to it and the, the pedigree of it, but it's just a really good movie. I think lots of it, it it's open to anyone really you know as long as you like things a little bit raunchier not you know not too much but you know a little bit you get a little bit of spice with it right i mean there's really only one titty shot and the titties aren't going to be to most people's tastes i like them them. they're the type of if you lay down they go right up under your armpit where they belong <laughs> it's one of my favorite scenes. Obviously, we keep talking about it endlessly. <laughs> um, I mean, do you think John Waters fans might not like it? I I don't see any reason why they wouldn't like it. The I really don't, I unless they're of, uptight about yeah. westerns. Yeah, uptight about westerns, or if it has to be something like Pink Flamingos. Right. Yeah. It still has that same spirit, still has that same snotty attitude. It still has really over the top performances by everybody in the cast. Um, so I really don't see the difference here, uh, other than if you're just one of these people that have a stick up their ass about Westerns, then whatever. I mean, yeah. it is what it is. Well, John Waters and Paul Bartel both. And this could be part of just be growing up being gay or existing in America as gay or existing in the world as being gay. Their their perspective is kind of an outsider perspective, and they are uh, satirical uh, with the work that they do both. And you can't watch a movie like um, you know like Serial Mom or a movie like Eating Raul 
and sit there and say that they're super different from each other and the kind of things that they're commenting on, the kind of perspective they give. Right. Well, I think if you were going to look at this, if we wanted to sit and talk about this as being directed by a, a gay man, you would never guess that by watching this movie. None of that is none of that. Not that it has to be right in your face. It doesn't have the, the same kind of in your face qualities that John Waters has about sexuality. There's sexuality in this movie, but it's far more along the lines of typical Hollywood fare. Yeah, I do like that. Um, both of them had Tab Hunter, a gay man, uh, as as leads. You know, right? Any place, <laughs> and he looks so uncomfortable. Having to kiss up <laughs> on, on that woman in this movie, that sex scene looks so uncomfortable for him. Yeah, no, it was, it's just to me wonderful, you know, playing the guy who, the man of few words or whatever. It just, to, for me, it all works. And I think the more you know about the people involved, the more you enjoy it. Right. I think, you know, at, at some point here on Astro Radio Z, I am going to have a series of episodes about spaghetti westerns. It's going to happen because I am a, I'm a huge fan of them. I've just never gotten around to it yet. There's just so much. I mean, obviously, I could be doing this show until I'm in the grave, which could be next week. Who knows? I have no idea. Um but even past the the fact that you know we're we've done this whole series of episodes on John Waters fans of the spaghetti westerns there's a ton to love here in this movie tons of callbacks tons of actors that were in spaghetti westerns the look the feel um lots of grandiose shots uh the the music everything about it Oh, yeah. I mean, all the way down to the, the finale around the treasure chest reminded me a lot of a very small scale uh, finale of the good, the bad and the ugly. Right. Well, there, I mean, the, the whole town, just this run down, dusty, dirty town. Uh, there's one scene when they're running out of the church at night and you can see the crooked graves and crosses. It's there's shots and scenes pulled straight from spaghetti westerns in here. Yeah. Absolutely. So fans of that stuff, there's a lot here too, but I just know that certain fans are going to hear Western and go, ugh. Yeah, but I don't like Western. I'm here to tell you all right now, whoever actually listened to this, knowing that it's a, you know, Western movie, I don't give a shit about Western. I like, I like Posse, Marvin Peoples. I like Johnny Guitar with uh, Joan Crawford. I like, um, what I say? Quick and the Dead. I like yeah. Quick and the Dead. And then, uh, you know, I mean, occasionally I'll dig something else. Um, I thought the the keeping room uh, from a couple years ago was really good, but they're all female centric, and you just don't get that with westerns a lot. But less than a dust falls in that category. It's female uh, lead character western, right? Right. Most westerns are pretty much a male gaze type affair. Yeah, and I mean, I do like Wild Bunch, but who who doesn't like the Wild Bunch? Well, it's a kick-ass fucking movie. (laughs) It is. It's a kick-ass fucking movie. Let's be honest about this son of a bitch. You can admit that the, yeah, holy shit. Yeah, no, you can't, (laughs) you know, reckon with the with the wild bunch oh man that's a that's a great one but uh before we we wrap this up i seth i know uh andrew and i talked a bunch about paul bartell what's your experience with him do you have what's your favorite paul bartell movie if you have one uh my experience with paul bartell is more of an actor as you guys were saying i think 
you know, very much recognizable as an actor. I didn't even know honestly who he was. I knew the name and I know he's been in a bunch of things. And then I saw him and I said, Oh, that's Paul Bartel. And, you know, of course, tons of roles come flooding to mind. Uh, as a director, I'd only seen Death Race 2000, which I think is a perfect exploitation cult movie, and uh, Rock and Roll High School, which I love. Oh, so, holy fuck, Rock yeah. and Roll High School. Well, he's three for three with me now. Um, well, he didn't direct Rock and Roll High School, but he's no. in it. Did he not direct it? No, no it's Ellen Arkish. But um, Barry Warnov is uh, his right hand lady. She's uh, she's you know obviously a very big part of Rock and Roll High School. And in real life, she is so cool you can't stand it. Fuck okay, man, well, one of my favorite movies, Rock and Roll High School. Yeah, it's a fantastic movie. He's hilarious in it. Yeah. Um, well, then I've only seen this in Cannonball two or not Cannonball two thousand. I just looked up <laughs> Cannonball on his IMDb. Death Race two thousand. I wanted to see Cannonball for a while, but he's two for two. Uh, I've wanted to see Eating Raul forever, just haven't gotten to it. So, uh, I th- me and Andrew were talking about this briefly on Instagram. He's got uh, some stuff that I want to check out, so I'm going to make it more of a point over the next few months to get more. Paul Bartel films under my belt. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Maybe I'm going to have to bring you guys together for a bonus episode. Maybe we'll do a, we'll do a Paul Bartel bonus episode where we, we dig in a little bit. Uh, maybe, maybe private parts. I, I don't think I've ever seen private parts. I would do. There's so much going on in that movie. I would love to talk about private parts, man. Yeah. I think maybe we'll come back and do that. Maybe that'll even be just a regular episode. Who knows? We're just spitballing at this point, boys. It's so we full of weird shit and there's so much fucked up stuff and you don't even know. Everybody I've shown it to is like, why haven't I seen this? You know? <laughs> I love when that happens. It's like my favorite thing on the entire planet when that happens. <laughs> so uh I think you can you can guess here, folks. Universally, we loved Lost in the Dust. Not going to get super in-depth with this one. I, I There's not really a hell of a lot to say about it other than you guys should go. As John Waters fans, obviously, go see this. You're going to have it right now. I checked it out on Amazon Prime. It was $2.99 for rental on Amazon Prime. Well worth the $2.99. And the two days you get to rewatch it over and over and over again, those two days, you'll love it. Great times. So, boys, this is the portion of the show where we shamelessly shill the fuck out of my listeners. Seth Paulin, shill. Uh, you can find me at uh, Celluloid Terror on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, horror cult exploitation film reviews. I'm currently about to post the review for the new Paul Nashy collection Blu-ray set. So you guys are on the fence about that. I'll have the. The scoop on that one. Yeah, but he's not going to give you a review about that goddamn Traces of Death box set because he's I, trying to sell it off right I now. don't watch that bullshit. You're going to watch that bullshit, I'm Seth Pollen. Get my blood boiling, boy. When I saw that up on that on that Facetron, that Facebooks, boy, Face you got Tron. my blood boiling, boy. I promise you I'm not holding out on you. Trying to sneak past me, you dirty son of a bitch. Hey, they're in beautiful uh, standard definition quality if you want to buy them. I don't even want to watch these fucking things. <laughs> Fuck. I'm not. Look, I have the box set. Corey gave me the goddamn box set of the fucking Traces of Death series. God damn it. Why did I 
talk myself into doing this stupid shit fucking Astro Radio Z this goddamn show son of a bitch Andrew Shearer <laughs> show the fuck out of my gut out of my <laughs> y'all are funny man we all talk about that both the times y'all talked about those movies your picture your voice went up just a little <laughs> like go back when you when you edit listen man you like listen to his listen to your voice when we talk about everything else and listen to your voice when we talk about the trace of death this thing it's all that like accused accusations and defense everything's because <laughs> <laughs> i've seen two of them i know i'm to get it back started i'm just saying it's an observation about the picture of the voice it's funny to me it's giving uh, me anxiety, Andrew. It's I, I can tell, man. The voices gets cracked and crazy, man. <laughs> you know, it's in the air. Um, I'm right now, uh, my friends and I in, in Athens for many years under the, the banner of Gonzorific, G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C. You can Google that and buy DVDs of our weird movies or watch them on um, Amazon On Demand or watch stuff on YouTube or whatever. We are right now in the final stages of our new movie, Space Boobs in Space. I'm looking at the DVD cover right now. Um, I mean, this this one's got all types of shit. It's got like a vampire ass. It's got like a <laughs> swamp monster in a wet t-shirt. Um, I mean, it's just got like like spaceship that I made that's on a barbecue skewer. I mean, drag queens. I mean, this this is our best thing in the cover. Wait till you see it. Oh, dude. <laughs> Andrew, I love the fact that, you know, most directors, most most people would try and show their movies as, oh, it's exciting. It's got thrills. It's got chills. It's got twists. It's got turns. No, this got vampire ass. We got spaceships on skewers. But you've never seen a vampire bite. just the butt that's a vampire. You've never seen that before, man. I got to say, <laughs> I, I could have just mentioned that, you know, so gondorific.com. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you it's not for all tastes, but it's for a specific taste and it keeps us in business. I'll say that. Well, should be for all tastes. If if you're a listener to my goddamn show and you're not into vampire ass, stop listening to my show. Just yeah, life. Life for you is over. It's over. So is this episode of Astro Radio Z. It's over. Goodbye. You can find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, YouTube, and anywhere podcasts are found. Please, help us by subscribing, rating the show, and giving us a review. It helps us get the show out to more listeners. Also, if you would like to hear more of the show and be a more active participant, join the Astro Radio Z Facebook group and page, and join the Patreon. For only $1 a month, you get bonus episodes. Thank you for listening. See you next week, Astro Zombies. Cheap, cheap, as I'm a walking down the street.